Welcome to the Future Sense podcast with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans, broadcast weekly from our Future Sense pod in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia, and available on your favourite podcast platforms or directly through rd.org slash futuresense. That's double A-D-double-I.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at Future Sense Show or on our Facebook page. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for tuning into Future Sense. This is the second part of uh, our program this week, which was recorded on July the 2nd in Byron Bay in Australia. And wherever you are listening out there in the world, hello to you. Thanks for being with us. And don't forget to feed back to um, give us some, a nod on Twitter or on our Facebook page or anywhere else that you'd like to. You may have comments, you may have information or suggestions about what we're doing here. So thank you for being with us. Really great to have you uh, have our little tribe out there that we are aware of for future sense. And of course, we on the, the first part of the show, uh, our topic he, uh, was and is today aftershock regaining balance. And in the first part, we spoke about the shock that we've been through with COVID-19 and the economic impact of that and how it's changed our lives. We have taken note of the deeper change themes that are prevalent at the moment that are turning us inward to look at ourself for healing and rebalancing and personal growth in order to prepare us to re-engage with what will be a new normal. It certainly won't be the same old normal for, for many of us, for most of us indeed. And in the first part, uh, we uh, had a great astrological download from Nick uh, as to what's going on and uh, we could see how the astrology of this time is actually pointing us inward uh, and getting us ready for more change essentially yeah and in this part I'm going to talk a little bit about another indicator that we use uh, which is the I Ching the Chinese book of changes which is quite a sophisticated tool for understanding uh, and to some extent predicting change Uh, and then we'll go on to talk a little bit about Claire Graves's research findings on the shift that is actually taking place at a global scale right now, which is the shift from the scientific industrial layer five consciousness to layer six humanistic network centric uh, postmodern way of being. So let me start uh, talking about the I Ching. Now, you may or may not have heard of the I Ching. It's a very, very old book, thousands of years old, uh, that emerged from Taoist ways of understanding reality uh, and it is actually an extremely accurate map of how change proceeds and if we look across cultures we can see lots of evidence that throughout history there have been some quite sophisticated understandings of the change process that have emerged from people simply observing what happens and then you know writing that down and writing the patterns down and there are Civilizations that, for example, focused on the daily cycle of the sun coming up and going down and the intricacies of that and noticing how that reflected how change is experienced by us also. Uh, and, of course, the, the ancient Egyptians were quite famous for, for uh, essentially deifying the sun uh, as you know the greatest example of uh, how things happen. Uh, and there are many other things uh, you know, from, that we can look at, for example, simply our, our understanding of the changing seasons throughout the year uh, and how they go through you know, the uh, essential uh, death and rebirth and flowering and uh, dying off prior to the death and those sorts of things. And uh, other 
divination tools like tarot cards, which if you actually look at the sequence of the cards in the tarot deck, they also reflect this very same process of um, some sort of change happening, you know, us going through a process of uh, virtual death uh, of something, not necessarily, uh, not certainly um, most usually not death of ourselves, but death of a part of ourselves and, and a self-image, uh, the ego, at different layers of consciousness, I guess you could say, and then the rebirth, uh, a birth of something new, and then the, the integration and flowering of that which completes that cycle. Articulates the journey so well, and as we said earlier in the first part, as above, so below, which the I Ching particularly represents that notion that things are reflected in the very smallest of the very largest processes of, of the universe and of our internal nature. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there is, uh, there's an I Ching practitioner called, a Taoist teacher called Bobby Klein that uh, sometimes we, uh, we tune into when we're uh, looking at what we should talk about on each show. And, and Bobby uh, pulls a, a character, a hexagram from the I Ching each week uh, to give him some guidance and give everybody some guidance about what's going on. And, and Bobby's character for this week, and I'm speaking on Thursday the 2nd of July, uh, was uh, character number one, which represents creation and inspiration. And it is uh, actually exactly as Nick just said, the, the two characters that make up the hexagram are the same on top and the bottom, so as above, so below, quite literally. And uh, the a, small, a, a very, very short description of what this character represents uh, goes like this. You have been hoping for the clarity that will be revealed. With a considered strategy, now is the time to consider your plans and put them into action. So indicating there that there is clarity coming or may have already started to emerge for some of you listening, and that now is the time to think about that new clarity and to consider how to re-engage with the outside world. Now, I also pulled a, a character this week, a hexagram, and mine uh, is number 51, which is called the arousing and uh, its uh, extended name is Shock of Heaven or Fate. And, it, and the description goes like this, Double Thunder. Thus, in fear and trembling, the superior man sets his life in order and examines himself. So what that's pointing to is a double shock, uh, double thunder. And a double shock is a shock where there's no breathing space in between. So it's like boom, boom, and you don't have time to even think about the first shock before the second one hits. And of course, that's pretty much exactly what happened with COVID-19 mm. and the, the response to that. And then uh, naturally a fear response. However, uh, a person who knows how things work will actually look to examine himself first in order to set his life in order. So just recognition of that fact that our internal world and our motivations, our understanding, our absolute perception and sense-making of reality is really key to what drives our outer experience. Hmm. It's interesting. There's a good reflection again with astrology at this time with uh, the themes of purpose and mission that are inherent here now and internal power development and how do we want to show up in the world, which is kind of what you're saying in a different way there. Yeah. Really having a good look at how we want to be in the world, how we want to actually bring our talents forward. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And as I mentioned before on the show, when we seek to provide some guidance to what's coming down the track, you know, the, the immediate future, or, or even sometimes we talk about uh, periods of 10 or 20 years into the future, we look for multiple sources in order to confirm our guidance so this is a very good thing to remember 
particularly if you are moving into layer six or moving through layer six, having sort of left the, the old uh, rational-minded paradigm behind, is that the process of really tuning into your own intuition and your own inner knowing, which comes in a very sophisticated way, particularly once we shift into second tier, where we tap into that transrational intelligence. It's a wonderful support to look at multiple sources during that learning process and to use those sources to cross-reference in the same way that uh, I used to, to uh, navigate when I worked in the military. And uh, back in the old days, when we just had a compass and a paper map, uh, you would shoot a compass bearing. I realise you're that old. You're I, I older am, than actually, me, I'm, oh, I'm giving my secrets away now, aren't I? <laughs> GPS? What GPS? Uh, you know, we'd shoot a compass bearing to, uh, to a, a nearby mountain or hill, and then we'd do that three times. And where those three lines, you know, we'd plot those, that, those directions onto the map, and where those three lines intersected uh, would be roughly where we are on the ground. What happens uh, if first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is? <laughs> <laughs> Quite the great Donovan song. <laughs> So that, you know, overlapping multiple sources is a, is a really great training uh, set of training wheels, essentially, for uh, learning to trust your own intuition. When you look, you know, f feel what you feel first, get a sense of that, and then look for other sources that, uh, mm. that also point in the same direction. It brings up something with regard to Grazer's work that I, we haven't commented on before. Perhaps it's appropriate here because in each layer that a, a person inhabits, so to speak, uh, they can be in a different place with that and uh, they're either um, closed or arrested or open and you're sort of alluding to that in a way for those who can be open to these new sources but can you start just expand a little on that theme uh, that subtlety of Graves' work just a little bit perhaps if that's appropriate Sure um, so Graves wrote about what he thought was healthy behaviour mm. and he he picked three uh, characteristics which he thought were really important for healthy behaviour, and they were politeness, openness, and uh, being autonomous. Yeah. And these things are, are very, very relevant for navigating change because when we're healthy, we're also flexible and in our most adaptive state. So uh, politeness is simply really about respecting other people and being polite in the way that we interact with other people, which I guess is fairly self-explanatory. Mm. You could say kindness is a good word, but it's used a lot these days instead of politeness, perhaps even more sure. expansive, more interesting. Yeah. Um, openness, and by openness, he was talking mm. about the difference between open and closed systems. So in a, an open system, the the boundary of the system is permeable, so information is free to flow into and out of the system. In a closed system, the boundary is not permeable, so somebody whose personal operating system is closed is unable to adapt to change because they're not actually taking in new information. And you probably all know somebody like this somewhere in our lives who, despite how the world changes, always seems to be trying to use the same techniques and the same problem-solving uh, capacities, uh, you know, regardless of what needs fixing. It's kind of like, you know, that old adage, when, when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Um, and so 
in order to uh, be adaptive and to respond as best we can to, to change, uh, we need to be open in the way that we're uh, operating personally, open to new information. And, uh, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. And it's, it's worth just reflecting on that and noticing in your day-to-day life what comes up for you when you are encountering new information. You know, is there a sudden mm-hmm. instinct to want to push it back down again or, you know, say, no, no, that's not right? <laughs> I think it's fascinating exactly that. What is the trigger? It's a good question to ask yourself. If you can stop, slow yourself down enough to realise that you are actually reacting to in in the way that you're talking about and see where that trigger actually comes from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the third characteristic that Graves uh, wrote about was being autonomous. In other words, taking responsibility for yourself and having the confidence that you have the capacity to change when you need to change uh, and to adapt to new challenges. And so those three things, politeness, openness, and and being autonomous, he he thought were the, uh, the makings of a healthy individual with good coping capacity and it doesn't matter which layer or operating system which value system that you're living in or through at the moment those three things apply and uh, and in times of uh, change as we're going through right now often uh, presence of mind is all too easily lost when we're faced with a sudden shock and particularly when we get multiple shocks in a row like like we are getting right now and um, we can overlook opportunities to take advantage of the change uh, and opportunities to take action constructively for ourselves and to help others because we fall into shock and we actually close down. And typically that's what happens um, in the shock process. I mean, from a physiological point of view, when the body goes into shock, we send everything internally, you know, all all of our blood sort of drains away from our extremities and goes to the the core organs uh, and those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a like, okay, let's just hunker down and uh, until we figure out what's going on here. Which of course is an ancient operating system of our nervous system and absolutely necessary at times that reflex action. But we're also sort of demanded of a, a more conscientious, awake, discerning uh, ap- approach to an appreciation of those movements, those natural things inside our being, and being able to respond to them autonomously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for people who work in extremely difficult life conditions, uh, such as in the emergency services or the military, uh, things where, where things can change very, very quickly, of course the the, the mark of a very, very capable person in those situations, those uh, circumstances, is somebody who can very quickly acknowledge the shock and take in whatever information is available and then make a decision and act on that in the moment. Um, and, uh, and of course, operating very, very quickly like that does carry a toll as well because if we don't have time to allow ourselves to recover from the shock, then it gets stored in yeah. the body and we end up with post-traumatic traumatic, uh, mm. stress to deal with later. So the wonderful work just quickly on uh, somatic experiencing, that particular technique is wonderful doing that, which replicates the work of Peter Levine, replicates the um, animals um, being shocked by being chased by a tiger or gazelle or something and surviving and going to shock. And you'll see an animal actually shake off the energy and then be able to move move on. And as humans, we don't really do that. We we collect it. We, we narrow ourselves back down and we and usually it, it embeds itself somewhere in the body. Yeah, that's a really good example, Nick. Uh, and I'd just like to zero in on the movement there because movement is key to navigating that, right? And when we close ourselves down and become rigid, that's when we're not able to navigate the circumstance effectively. And so as well as the physical movement, which you just described in the animal shaking itself out, 
we, we can look at the movement of the mind as well. And this is a very kind of Taoist uh, way of, of considering it. And so if our mind also goes into shock and shuts down and we stop considering our options, but just kind of like mutely wait for whatever it is to, to take its course, uh, then all of a sudden we lose uh, whatever control is possible in terms of our own destiny and our own outcomes mm. through the change process. Yes. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, another way of looking at this is uh, physically from a martial arts point of view, um, as, a, as a martial arts instructor, um, you know, I was taught that in the art of Kung Fu, you should never be rigid in your stance. So you never want to have uh, your balance split between both feet. You always want some movement. There should always be some subtle movement in, in terms of your balance because when there's movement, it's far easier to react to whatever it is you need to react to. a direction, so to speak, yeah, something may yeah. come from. And it's much harder to, to make someone lose their balance when they are they have that constant motion, you know, controlled motion going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas if somebody's just standing rigidly, it's, it's much easier to sort of knock them off balance. So, um, so that applies in you know many different ways, uh, and uh, movement of the mind is is probably very very relevant to what's going on for us at the moment. And there must be uh, many people listening out there who are concerned about their future livelihood and how work is going to um, reshape itself after these changes. And it, it's important in order to help yourself navigate that to uh, remain open and you maintain that sense of being autonomous you know the fact that you can take responsibility of yourself and you you are capable of changing uh, as you need to in order to cope with life um, and uh, and maintain a, a sense of motion and uh, keep the mind agile as well and and i'm sure for many people as we move back to whatever this new normal looks like uh, your work might be quite different than it was before and for for some people of course their industries are beginning to collapse at the moment and so it's it's about a total reinvention of, uh, of what comes next and uh, our hearts go out to you because it is a very testing time for many many people indeed and i think also as you're speaking there i'm i'm feeling we mentioned trust in the first segment today too i think there's a place now and i'm seeing this in a lot of people who are watching themselves with an extra discernment that's uh, that's arrived because of the lockdown because we've spent many people a, a lot more time by ourselves or with a few because many of us our physical conditions our life conditions have changed substantially and may not go back to where they once were before that we have more of an, an of a, an awareness of what's going on so i'm watching how people I can see how the old habits are actually arriving in them and many people beginning to go oh that's just another you can see oh i can almost see it in the way that they're responding on a psychic level they're sort of stepping back and being oh that's just the same way i'm doing that shit again and and reassessing and maybe i can take more control more autonomy here more sovereignty of myself that's a, a word that a lot of people use these days um towards this particular situation that i'm in i think that's one of the gifts of this time to us is the potential for people to basically become more aware of what actually they're doing in life and uh, starting to reconfigure themselves towards uh, a deeper sense of purpose and mission, perhaps. I agree. It's been one of the important aspects of this whole uh, COVID-19 outbreak and response is within all of the chaos and all of the difficulty that it's created, there is also opportunity to embrace the change in order to recreate our world uh, in a better way. And uh, we can understand what that means 
more specifically by looking at Claire Graves' writings about this transition from the scientific industrial layer five era and into what's next, layer six, uh, which he called relativistic because of its inherent capacity to change its perspective on things and to take multiple perspectives. And of course, it's a communally oriented value system at layer six. And so whatever we're doing and however we're responding, we're likely to be able to cope better if we engage with community, uh, whatever that means for you, whether it's family community or work community. And with the benefit of community, uh, we can come together and navigate this change process and particularly our internal change process together. And that's, that's I guess it's one of the sort of... Uh, paradoxes of layer six is it's a communal system and in communal systems we tend to look at the outside world and scan it like as if we're a radar and use that information to help us understand how we need to change ourselves um, and it, it actually even though it's a it's a communal system it does very much come back to how I need to change in order to conform to the community and but what it's certainly uh, as we're talking about it's certainly uh, more of an inner change which no doubt if you make a significant inner change you will have outer change outer uh, reflections things will happen in the external world but yep. essentially you're starting with that rather than to change your clothes or you know change your job because you know you'd be more successful over there which is much more layer five exactly that's yeah. right yeah yeah mm. yeah no that's that's a good observation mm. Um, so uh, group support is very important at the moment. Networking is very important. Shared learning is very important. And, and typically, uh, if you've ever been uh, involved in any kind of, uh, let's, let's call it new age, personal development activity, it's most likely been a group activity because that is the flavor of this emerging value system. It, it, what's, it's what we want. We want community. We want to rebuild community. And uh, having spent some hundreds of years in a world that's been dominated by an individually oriented system, we're, we're hungry uh, for community right now. And of course, part of that community is all other living creatures on the planet, planet and the, the, the flora and fauna and everything. So that reconnection with nature is absolutely inherent in this movement too. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and in the process, you know, you'll often f see people come together around a particular topic, whatever it might be, and to talk about their personal experience of that topic. And then by by sort of listening to everyone in the group talk about their own inner experiences and emotional experiences, then uh, we are able to help make sense of and manage our own inner responses as well. So it's a time... Uh, as, as all of these things that we mentioned in part one of, uh, of the show and uh, just now with the I Ching, everything is pointing to the process of tapping into the inner self at the moment, uh, turning our attention inside, uh, caring for ourselves, healing ourselves, listening to what our, our body and our, our internal systems are telling us. And all of that process is part of the longer term journey to developing a deeper intuition, which really does kick in with the transition to layer seven and mm. into second tier. And just to flip back briefly to the eclipse coming up on the 4th and 5th of July, if you're listening to before, but it doesn't matter if you're listening afterwards because it still applies right through this year, this Capricorn Cancer um, polarity that's occurring with the eclipse uh, in Capricorn. Also, with Cancer, though, it's saying, let's rebalance the Capricorn, which is about... Um, uh, motivation which is good which is about ambition 
and which is about success, which is about which which direction am I going to go in? How am I going to be successful in these kind of ideas? Kant is saying, soften, soften down into downtime to balance that. Balance your needs, comfort yourself. You need time to sit or move through what's going on with no agenda. How do I look after myself? And it's all about family, children and home or the broader tribe as Steve's alluding to there. So that's a countering of Capricorn energy, which is very strong, as I said in the first part of today's uh, broadcast, of this week's broadcast, um, countering that Capricornian hard energy, that goat-like Saturnian energy with a softer approach to everything in, in our lives and particularly to our self-nurturing at this time. So true. Uh, Claire Graves wrote that one of the key aspects of uh, a human experiencing life through layer five, uh, layer six consciousness, rather, uh, which is the emerging paradigm, is um, the seeking of inner peace. And it, it's not sought as if it's some goal that needs to be kicked, you know, uh, and then you've done it which would be the case in layer five if layer five was seeking that um, once i've got there then i can figure out how to sell it to someone else yeah exactly um and it's really an ongoing process in layer six and our concept of direction and time changes when we move between these layers of consciousness layer uh, five the scientific industrial era was very linear uh, and so you know with our, our thought processes were about a future destination and how do we get there how can we get there and what happens after we get there and where are we going to go then whereas in a, a communal system like layer six uh it's much more circular uh and of course then we, when we get into second tier it becomes a, a spiraling uh motion which is a, a 3d circle with direction uh which actually integrates the two mm. uh, the, the linear and the circular it's interesting a very simple uh, simple way to look at that is the difference between the left and the right brain you could say that the the eye side of uh, graves's work in um, 1357 are, uh, are essentially left brain uh, although 135 let's stay with the first tier and um the we side is the right brain, but when we come into the second tier, it's that, as you're saying, there's this integration between the left and the right, and both are accessible where necessary, where needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in layer six, when we're thinking about inner peace, as we do, uh, we're thinking about it as very much a process and a process that we share with our with our trusted community. Uh, I'm just going to uh, look at. Uh, some of Claire Graves' notes now on the process of exiting layer five and entering layer six. And uh, I'm sure this will hit home for quite a few of you listening out there because it talks about some of the key things that change during that time and it might help you um, navigate what you're going through right at this moment. So Claire Graves wrote about the process of coming out of layer five. So in each um, of the layers that he described, he differentiated between an entering aspect, a nodal aspect or expression, and an exiting expression of the uh, particular value system. So for layer five, he said that when people are starting to come out of that, you know, which is their first step towards layer six, but they're still actually in layer five, um, they're starting to expand out of being self-centered. So they start to become interested in other people to a greater extent than they were before. And they also becoming more aware of their environment. And because layer five is success driven, they're still success driven, but the success includes interacting and managing effectively, uh, you know, our 
our uh, relationships with other people and also our, our work or interaction with the environment. So, so it's you know those things are coming into the, the sort of scope of thinking, but it's more about how, you know how do I do that successfully? <laughs> so there's still that still that sort of mm. defaulting to me and mm. how can being, I win basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so it's still looking for personal advantage mm. um, and looking for a, a, a superior ability to exercise one's emotions. So how can I make myself more successful by actually exercising my emotions? You know, in a in a wiser way. Um, there's an emerging awareness of the need to deal with other people uh, and the physical environment, which, you know, at the, the peak of Layer 5, we're really not all that bothered about. <laughs> Dang, as, I don't want to know as, about that. As long Tell as we me about my staff game. or my people who work for me. Don't, I don't want to know about that. Yeah, as long as we win the game. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we, our focus is really wandering now to, okay, how do I really deal with other people more successfully? How do I deal with my physical life conditions and the environment more successfully? And that then starts to extend to my own mind and my own body. Mm. You know, how do I manage my mind better? How do I manage my body better? And and then, of course, we see that sort of explosion of, you know, which health supplement is going to make me more successful uh, and all that kind of health kick thing that goes on during that. Yeah, w- which one? Face. Yeah. I'll tell you later. Yeah, okay, <laughs> Keep listening, folks. Folks, you don't get that. Uh, you don't get that for free uh, here because that's that's the five coming. No, sorry, I, go, I wind back. I go back. <laughs> so, um, so as just con- to continue these points about you know things that we go through when we're exiting layer five, um, where we become interested in assuring our own welfare, um, and and. Uh, yeah, the idea of success sort of is transforming into being the best I can be in all dimensions of myself, including my physical body and my mind and and those sorts of things. Um, there's still a denial of the need to depend on others, so it's still very independent. Um, so all of this is just going on within me and I'm not really kind of sharing it too much with other people really uh, and certainly not relying on other people to, to, to back me up in those processes that I just described. Um, and... This Graves wrote, uh, lives within an illusion of competence and in the delusional world of total self-fulfillment. <laughs> okay. Well, the illusion of competence is, uh, the second part's kind of obvious in a way, but yeah, the yeah. illusion of competence, because you know, I guess people really do think in Layer 5 that they really are competent when it's they're very, successful there. very individual. Very, very individual. individual. Mm. Yeah. And I've got a quote here. Um, Graves' research uh, included gathering information from... 1,065 people whom he studied for a period of nine years. And one of the ways that he gathered inf- that information was to get them to write uh, essays on their idea of, you know, what's a mature, mature human, being. human being like. Mm. And here's a, a little quote from somebody who was exiting layer five. Oh. Quote, one might be tempted to assert that dealing with other humans to fulfill one's personal need is really the only necessity in dealing with the environment. But I think other people are only one part of the environment. So the concept should include organising other humans, the physical environment, and one's own mind and one's own body to assure one's personal welfare. So you can see, Ooh. you can see, there's still a very, very strong yeah. self-interest. It's, it's kind of messy in one hand, although it's quite clear what he's saying, yeah, what yeah. she's saying. But there's a messiness to exactly where do I sit? And I guess that's what happens if you're making that transition. One day, one moment, you're going to be sitting here, and the next minute, you're going to be there. Yeah, that, yeah. actually, that's a really good point because mm. I think. Probably a lot of people are feeling that messiness right now. I think so because of the transition. You know, things aren't the way they were. They're 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 messy. I was kind of alluding that 
before where I, I'm observing people clearly when they say something or do something that they're questioning themselves where they haven't done that before. And you can kind of read it in them more than ever before. Yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know if you guys out there can relate to that, but I think that's definitely a theme that's going on right now. And I've got another quote here. So this is Graves himself uh, speaking, but he's speaking about a woman who was exiting Layer 5, who was within his study group. Quote, she would always recognize the necessity of developing herself as an entity while appearing to conform to the reality of the group. So this person was smart enough to know that they had to look like they were conforming to the group, but actually really just focused on their own development mm. and what they could get out of the group. And that's a really interesting observation as well. Yeah, I think it's fascinating at this time when there are a lot of uh, online gurus speaking about all sorts of change processes and spiritual development and all sorts of things. Uh, and then you get the sort of sales job along the way, which is okay. I mean, it's fine if you're trying to sell something, but you can feel the tone of everything sort of shift as they do that, you know, away from, oh, this is really opening me to a new dimension here. Oh, but they're trying to sell me something. Yeah, anyway. totally, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's have a look now at uh, what Graves wrote about the process of entering layer six. So this comes after exiting five. So it goes uh, a nodal expression of layer five, and then we grow into the exiting expression. And then the next step is to grow into entering layer six. Mm. Person's focus turns to, quote, different realms of human experience and fantasies, which the behaving being aspires to. So you can see there that there's a, an element of wanting to explore beyond the rational material, mm. and, and that's really emerging. And in this entering layer six uh, expression, people are layer six. So this is like early stage layer six. Okay, so they've gone beyond the individual mm. self-interest thing, and now they've uh, sort of clicked over into the self-sacrifice. They've signed up for that weekend workshop they've been looking at for two years. Exactly. That's what they're new age, but now they're gonna they have to go there. They've just got to go. Um, Graves also said the self can only be a derivative of what is outside the self. Since man's self consciousness, his selfhood seems necessarily to be socially founded. So you can see there this radar switching to scanning the outside social conditions in order to know how to be and to understand oneself. Uh, another quote, yet within its capacity as a reasoning entity, as an arbitrator of conflicting forces, the mature self finds its dignity, its separateness, its peace is inner, motivation by enjoyment and curiosity, not by quest. So you can see there that the idea of being on a linear quest, you know, seeking to get to that destination uh, is, is, has dropped away and we fall back into the present moment more rather than living in the future where our goal is kind of thing. Career goals become insignificant. Large circles of friends are, quote, sought but not required, unquote. Sought but not required. That's interesting. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Whereas at a nodal expression of layer six, when you're really in the centre yeah, of it, that your friends that's would your be, whole definition they would be through required. That group. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Uh, people become open to alternative religious beliefs, and this is part of this taking multiple perspectives thing. You know, there's there's no longer 
uh, one best way, as we have in Layer 5. Which, of course, can go too far, like everything. That's another story. Yeah. Um, and another quote, we must therefore jump in and outside ourselves in the process of growth. So isn't that interesting? And because we're, we're not fully in six, but we are in the entering phase of it, um, we're still having to sort of flip backwards and forwards between being me as an individual and then being outside of ourselves and, and perceiving us that way. Is that we've talked often on this show about um, walking in the other person's moccasins. Is that kind of like the beginning of that? Like I, I kind of want to stand there, but I don't really want to stand there because I'm not really ready for that yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that it's, uh, that's often used to describe uh, Layer Six's way of being able to put themselves in someone else's shoes, yeah. quite, quite literally being in in someone else's moccasins mm. or walking in someone else's shoes mm. uh, and that at the the uh, full expression of six people can really do that in a way that humans have never been able to do it before is really uh, imagine themselves standing in someone else's shoes and, and actually start to feel what that's like a little bit like that uh sense show that was on netflix i think it was oh, yeah. you know where people started to have and feel the experiences of other people mm. um all of those things that have some element of truth in them yeah. yeah empathy synesthesia these kind of things yeah yeah and then uh just to wrap up uh just the last couple of words from graves on uh on this process of entering into layer six uh graves is saying what he conceives maturity to be seems obviously in a state of transition between a state of categorical certainty and a state of relativistic thinking. He reluctantly gives in to the nudge of authority. And of course, in layer five, you wouldn't want to do that. You'd fight that. Um, this type of thinking is not an express self to hell with others, which is actually layer three. And it's not a sacrifice self to the prescriptions of authority, which is layer five. So he's differentiating that from those previous systems. And the rational conception of maturity is pushed to the back burner and positive emotional elements are placed in the front positions. Which, of course, we see reflected in much of the social action that's occurring in the world at the moment. In regards Black Lives Matter, for example, or rights generally in one place or the other, environmental, social or otherwise, that reflection of people coming out and actually speaking for us or advocating for uh, those sort of more communal um, and egalitarian values exactly and in our in our estimation with a, an understanding of graves research what we're seeing at the moment is that the entire world is um, on average shifting from this um, scientific industrial way of living and into the next value system which is focused on human experience human connection and reconnecting ourselves with nature and the planet and the uh, that dynamic will or to eventually bring that new value system into being the dominant global value system, albeit for quite a short period of time, yeah. according to the research. Mm. So we hope that's been helpful for you at this uh, difficult and uh, very stressful time for many of us as we're trying to figure out what the new normal is going to look like and uh, in many places around the world really still battling with the challenges of lockdown and uh, trying to control the spirit of COVID-19. Yeah. I thought I might just, just as you're speaking again there, just the last little bit of astrology here in front of me, Chiron, which is uh, the, the wounded healer, 
is in Aries and has been since 2018 and will be to 2027. And some of the themes here, which I think are very relevant, and they sort of don't merge precisely with Graves' work, but I think they they articulate a kind of bigger picture that Chiron's offering, and that these are the themes. Taking responsibility, quitting blame, improving self-worth, watching out for self-seeking motives, becoming the trailblazer, the pioneer, the maverick of your field, developing innovative approaches, embracing warrior energy, developing power through discipline, and caution with being too headstrong. That's it for the, this episode. Hope you enjoyed that, and uh, please tune in mm. for our next show Thank later you. this week. Lovely speaking to you all out there, wherever you are. Have a beautiful day or evening. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to the Future Sense podcast with Nick Jeans and futurist Steve McDonald, broadcast weekly. We're also happy to be liked or loved on the platform that you're listening to right now, and we welcome feedback, comments, and input. Thanks for joining us. And remember that the future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed. <laughs>